Hi there, and welcome to Jewelry Navigator Podcast. My name is Brenna Pakes. I'm a graduate gemologist from the Gemological Institute of America. I have a degree in geology, and what just made me so much more excited about working with rocks was continuing my education and really streamlining it to learn more about gemstones and jewelry. As host of Jewelry Navigator Podcast, I provide usable tips to help shoppers make informed jewelry choices while sharing the best of the industry with stories from independent jewelers and designers and sharing observations I've made along the way through my career of working with consumers. More than ever, it's important to support small independent jewelry designers and businesses. And it's my pleasure to guide consumers to smart jewelry choices through an informative and entertaining platform. For sneak peeks into upcoming episodes and features, follow me on Instagram at Jewelry Navigator. And to hear past stories and informative Jewelry Navigator podcast episodes, subscribe to Jewelry Navigator podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and Spotify. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Hey everybody, I am back after a very long hiatus. Everything is fine. I just had to take some time off to do a few things with family and you know, I'm sure a lot of you are kind of in the same boat, but everything is fine and I'm really excited to kind of be relaunching Jewelry Navigator podcast, especially at this time of year, because what we're going to be talking about today I think will be really useful for a lifetime of jewelry lovers and connoisseurs. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode that is kind of fun. It's called What's in Your Jewelry Box Graveyard? So how many times have you visited your jewelry box and found twisted tangled chains? orphaned single earrings, and jewelry you forgot about because it's broken or missing a stone. What seems like a jewelry box graveyard could be the beginning of rediscovering treasures, and if you don't know what you're looking for, how to tell the difference between treasure and costume jewelry, you may be throwing away or giving away thousands of dollars of your jewelry. I've decided to start this as kind of a test series dedicated to presenting easy to follow jewelry clues to identify what's treasure and what's junk, what is truly dead and what can be resurrected. As this series grows, I may develop it into an ebook. I certainly will let you know. And if you want to stay up to date to those kind of newsworthy announcements, be sure to follow me on Instagram. And also I will have news on where you can subscribe to my newsletter. I'm going to be keeping it simple with some really easy clues to follow on what's in your jewelry box, how to tell what's treasure and what's not necessarily trash, but it's not fine jewelry. And fine jewelry is defined by jewelry items that are made from sterling silver, gold, platinum, palladium, and if they're set with stones, they are set with genuine gemstones. But before you start, let's take a really fun little Q&A just to see what you know. And for those of you who work with jewelry, no fair, you already know this. But for those of you who may not be familiar with it, 
then this is a good lesson for you and really good tools to be able to take to your jewelry box graveyard and sift through and see, see what you have. Number one, all gold jewelry stamped 14 karat or 18 karat, that could be 14K or 18K is real gold. Number two, if a gold jewelry item is not stamped with a maker's mark or a purity, metal purity stamp, meaning the 10 carat, 18 carat, 14 carat, or identifying it as sterling silver or platinum, then it's not real. Okay. Number three, most broken chains can be repaired. Number four, if a ring is adjustable, it's probably costume. And number five, if an earring looks like gold, then it probably is. All right, well, this is fun because I'm not gonna give you the answers right away. I will share them with you kind of through the podcast. And one more thing I wanna stress that what I'm sharing with you is general information. And since you're not in front of me and I'm not going through your jewelry with you, it's really important that you reach out to a professional, a jeweler or a gemologist who can help you identify what you have and make sure you're not getting rid of things that are valuable. So let's go ahead and get started. Discovering the jewelry tricks and treats in your jewelry box is fun and exciting when you know what to look for. So you know what to revive and what to, what to lay to rest. I know some of these are kind of corny, but it's fun. It's so close to Halloween. Uh, today, I'm going to be focusing mostly on clues that have to do with the metals with which jewelry is made, especially what you might find in your jewelry box and what might be confusing and you're not really sure what is what. And like I said, by definition, fine jewelry is made from precious metals such as gold, silver, platinum, and even palladium, and set with genuine stones. So keep that in mind, that's gonna be really important. And because fine jewelry is made with these materials that are more durable, they hold up best over time. So if you ever wonder why an item of costume jewelry might be starting to uh, flake off or the plating if it's gold plated if the gold plating is starting to come off this is part of the reason because it's not gold all the way through to have a better understanding of the precious metals that your jewelry is made with it's important to understand a little bit of history and how the metal is put together and let me just say that there are exceptions with other alternative metals that some jewelry manufacturers and designers work with, with such like titanium and tungstens and some other alternative metals. But for the most part, most fine jewelry is going to be made with the metals that we're talking about today. 24 karat gold, which is pure gold, is not normally used in jewelry because it's softer and it doesn't hold up as well for jewelry items, most gold is alloyed or mixed with other metals to make it stronger. So for instance, 14 karat gold is 58.5% gold, 25% silver, and 17% copper. 
and that's yellow gold, whereas 14 karat white gold is combined with 58.5% gold, 20% copper, 14.5% nickel, and 7.5% zinc. And those white metal alloys combine to make white gold, white gold, what it is. In the early 1900s, fine jewelry became more accessible to more people and the Federal Trade Commission stepped in to make sure that jewelers were using the right combination of gold and not doing less than they needed to do for the standards that were required for the different carat percentages. And the National Gold and Silver Marking Act was enacted and over the years the act was amended in order to hold makers and manufacturers accountable to the purity content of the precious metals with which they use to make the jewelry by requiring the purity stamp to be accompanied by a maker's mark. So this brings us back to the first question that I asked or the first two questions in regards to gold purity and the stamps 14 karat and 18 karat. So no, not always were there the the maker's mark stamped in there. It used to, even before the 1900s, there may not have been a purity mark. So until until that happened, nobody nobody really had any idea of what what the um, what the purity was of some of the antique and estate pieces of jewelry. Now, a lot of them you will find, but some of them you won't find the stamps. But the second part of that description of the National Gold and Silver Marking Act holds the makers and the jewelers accountable who make the product, you know, the chain or the ring or the earrings, makes them accountable for the combination and the purity of the precious metals that they use. So that's pretty interesting. And for this part of distinguishing what's in your jewelry box graveyard, these metal clues are really important to know. And it's not necessarily true that if it's not stamped, that it's not precious metal. And therefore, you know, if there are stones set in it, they may be real stones. And there again, if you're not sure, make sure you take it to your jeweler or someone who can, who can tell you what it is. As I go through these different items of jewelry and how you can tell what possibly is in your jewelry box, I provided some images that I took. They're kind of fun along the theme of the Halloween and kind of creepy Halloween props that I used. I'll be posting those on my Instagram page and also in a newsletter that I'll be sending out with the information here in this podcast that you can easily access um, after that. So it'll be like, like a little cheat sheet that you can go to your jewelry box and kind of get a feel for what you have in your jewelry box as you sift through these necklaces and chains and brooches and items that you may not really know what they are. 
One more thing I forgot to mention before we go any further is as you're looking through items in your jewelry box, you're going to want to work in a well-lit area and also have some form of magnification. It can be as simple as a household magnifying glass. You certainly do not need a jeweler's loop. They can be a little tricky to learn how to use correctly. So I really advise in starting out with something simple with just a basic magnifier. Okay, so the next question I asked is most broken chains can be repaired. And that is true. And what I'm thinking about are a lot of chains that we break, you know, it, it gets pulled by a child or an infant, or it just breaks because of wear. Kind of a disclaimer, most chains can be repaired, some cannot. If they're old and had they've been worn a lot, they may not be able to re be repaired. They may be beyond the point of repair, but just take it to your jeweler. And as long as it's a precious metal, sterling silver or gold, and sometimes if it's a stainless steel, if it's an easy fix, yes, it can be repaired. And then the next question I asked is, if a ring is adjustable, it's probably costume. With every question, there's always an exception. Some fine jewelry rings made with precious metal, they are adjustable, but they're usually adjustable on the front side. On the back side, not so much. I'm talking about the pieces of metal that overlap. That's a pretty true sign that that is a costume piece. So that is true. If a ring is adjustable, it's probably costume. And I have a really good example of that in the photos that I mentioned just a minute ago. If an earring looks like gold, it probably is. And that's kind of a trick question. A lot of gold or, you know, quote unquote, gold earrings are gold plated. And here's the really telltale sign. If you flip it over and you look at the post, the earring post, most of the time it's going to be what's called a base metal. So that's not a, a, um, a valuable metal. It's not a precious metal. Um, it's used commonly in costume jewelry. There are always exceptions because sometimes people have an allergy to gold or white gold and they have platinum posts for their earrings because it's a hypoallergenic metal. So that's not always the case. If you get a feeling that that's um, that what you have possibly might be a fine piece of jewelry or a fine set of earrings, but most costume jewelry, if it's yellow on the front, a lot of times it will have an earring post that is like a silver tone. So that's kind of a telltale sign. So as you're going through your jewelry box graveyard, sift through the chains, the things that you think might be costume, but make sure you're looking really closely at the findings, meaning the clasps and the rings that fix with the clasp that, you know, um, that help the clasp stay together. Make sure that there's not a stamp on there that shows that it's sterling silver, uh, white gold, or platinum if it's like a silver tone metal. And then of course, yellow gold will have a stamp of 10 carat, 14 carat, or 18 carat. And then if you see a number designation for the carat purity, 585 will mean 14 carat. Once again, that's 58.5% pure gold. 
and the 18 karat will be 750 and that's 75% pure gold. One more thing about jewelry items you'll find in your jewelry box that have been in there for a while, they'll often be tarnished and this is no reason to banish them or <laughs> neglect them or forget them. They're fairly easy to clean up most of the jewelry stores carry some kind of a liquid tarnish remover if it's sterling silver or a jewelry cleaner that's gentle enough for the gold jewelry and uh, jewelry with gemstones. I can go into that further on, a, on another day. But um, a lot of times those will clean right up and they'll look brand new. So you never know what is lurking in your jewelry box, do you? other things and i'm going to do a whole podcast on this is those orphaned earrings what do you do with them i have a lot of good ideas on sharing what you could possibly do with them and they're pretty exciting and very clever a lot of them don't really cost you very much money so i hope you learned a little bit on what you can do to go through your jewelry box graveyard and determine what you have that's still a treasure, what you have that you may, may still really love. It may not be fine jewelry made with precious metals and gemstones. It may be something that you just really love. It may have been given to you by a family member, just something you remember from your childhood. So jewelry is special regardless of what it's made of. Of course, if it's made with the precious metals and gemstones, it will hold out will hold up for a longer period of time but really those clues on the metals are a really good place to start to be able to go through your jewelry box and tell what is what and revive that old dead jewelry and figure out what's in your jewelry box graveyard well i hope you enjoyed today's relatively brief podcast. Most of them are somewhat a little longer. But like I said, if you want to see what kind of jewelry adventures are going on in my little world, please visit me at Jewelry Navigator on Instagram. That's mostly where I hang out. And as I kind of reignite the podcast and connections with stories and such, I will certainly keep you all posted and be sure to subscribe to Jewelry Navigator Podcast and I will leave a link in my Instagram profile where you can connect with me and subscribe to Jewelry Navigator Podcast and also Jewelry Navigator Passport, which is the newsletter. So thanks so much for tuning in today and please stay tuned for the next episode of Jewelry Navigator Podcast where we will continue to revisit your jewelry box graveyard. Thanks a lot. Have a good day. Bye-bye.